0: We have hundreds of lessons with almost every aspect of the industry start your free month today at school of well, welcome to another workshop wednesday we are live with more people this of course is casual conversations for serious workflows is our little tagline we are coming in for a landing on the e-commerce fundamentals and uh, last week we talked a, a bit about sales bridges as we call which is basically a piece of technology that gets between your sales channel and your accounting channel and brings that sales data in together, right? we talked about a variety of different ones and we wanted to bring on Mark and Gennady from We Integrate. And I saw, I met these folks a couple, about, what was it say about six months ago, and uh, we were talking about their, their bridge and they specialize in Shopify. So that's why I wanted to have Rachel be like a blind reaction here as we talk about that. And then cause, cause you guys do something a little bit unique than the other sales bridges out there. So Mark, if you want to talk a little bit about the history of We Integrate and how you came to be and and what it is you're hoping to to solve for. do You, you want to share your, we have a few slides, but, but all, you want to focus on the, on a demonstration today.
1: Yeah, that'd be great, Dan. Thank you. And and Rachel, we really appreciate the opportunity of speaking with you guys today and your audience and having a chance to have these casual conversations about these (laughs) very serious workflows. Yeah, do you want me to flip over to, I have a a little deck I can walk. Yes, we're going to talk a little about the history and maybe some of the key points that we would like to highlight for today. There we go. Uh, Okay. Awesome. Very cool. As, uh, yeah, Dan, as you mentioned, we are, we integrate. We are newer to the market, so a lot of people... May not have heard of us yet, although the word seems to be spreading pretty quick, which we're excited about. We do currently focus primarily on Shopify into QuickBooks online, both web store, as well as POS from the same tool. Over time, once we, and our focus and our thought was we want to go deep on Shopify first, really address the, the primary issues that we're hearing out there in the marketplace first. And then move on to other channels. So we do have that on our roadmap to get into other opportunity areas of like e-commerce such as Amazon and Etsy and all the other common connections that people would need to effectively run their business. As far as our company is concerned, yes, Gennady and I have been uh, in software, supply chain, e-commerce operations for, for quite some time. I'll let Gennady speak for himself since he's here, but I myself, uh, been involved a little, about 25 years, mostly as an entrepreneur. Uh, I co-founded a very successful EDI provider, supply chain, focusing on small businesses, uh, built out an ERP system for small businesses that did really well and won awards. Um, and now here we are with, uh, with We Integrate. And it was during the time that I was with the ERP, uh, solution that the concept of integrating Shopify with QuickBooks Online came about. And here's why. We would call these small businesses and we found a very interesting interesting reaction when we talked to a small business and say ERP, we either got people hanging up on us because they were scared or hanging up on us because they didn't know what an ERP was, right? And we found out that a lot of times what they really just needed were very efficient tools to integrate a particular source, such as Shopify with their financial systems and not the whole gamut of what a complex erp system would offer them particularly at the smaller stage something also interesting that we found was that um even though they're categorized as small businesses they actually have big business needs right and, right because there, there was a time long time ago, actually not too far ago, where small businesses would generally compete with the main other main street businesses. But because of this trend and e-commerce being one of them and this global market now, small businesses are competing head to head with big businesses. Problem is those big businesses do in fact have enterprise systems and automated big budgets and and they hire people just to make sure that those processes don't break, right? Where a lot of small businesses, like I've had clients that had products that were selling at every single Bed Bath to Beyond store in the country at the cash register, but the product was very tiny and they'd stock them in their garage and they had a couple people helping them. How does a small business like that process for orders for a thousand stores without enterprise tool Problem being is it has to be easy to use and it has to be affordable, right? So that methodology and thought process is carried forward and that's something that Gennady and I focus heavily on here uh, with our solutions where we integrate. And uh, Gennady, I'll turn it over to you. You can maybe share your background. Sure. Thanks for that, Mark.
2: Yeah. So I, I started my career working at uh, some very small companies doing value-added reselling mm-hmm. types of uh, services and uh, we actually, at a couple of them, built accounting tools, built billing tools, medical coding and things like that. So I experienced early on what it is like to essentially deal with the small side of the thing that Mark just mentioned, where the needs of the smaller organizations really don't uh, far off from what the bigger ones are looking for as well. And as I went and and, and furthered my career and started working at these uh, large organizations, I I saw that there's a lot of parallels there, the the same types of things that large organizations are suffering from are the same types that the small and medium-sized businesses wow. are suffering from as well. And yeah, we wanted to bring a solution that streamlines things, automates things, and takes advantage of today's technical environment into the hands of the smaller organization. Well,
0: that's awesome because that's really where I think small business owners being able to do things that the big guys do without having Acts, but they don't have the time, budget, or expertise to be able to do those things in an enterprise type of space. This gives this gives them a lot more leverage, and, and is that kind of the driving force behind? Yeah, exactly.
2: The behind we, yeah, exactly. We, we we don't feel that organizations have to spend an arm and a leg for some of the basic features out there that larger enterprises take uh, really for granted, but uh, obviously can afford to pay for it. And so, the more that we can empower the small businesses with some of these tools that have been available for a long time and evolve them to a point where they're very simple, very well integrated, we are going to be basically making lives a whole lot easier for folks. That's awesome. And then I also noticed Randy Johnston
0: there. Now he's not here, but that's a uh, that's a familiar face. How did that how did that introduction happen, or, or how did how, how is he helping out?
1: Yeah, I'm glad you asked. So Randy is an advisor. He's an official advisor on our board of advisors. And we've been working with him for about a year now. And we just connected with him just to, initially it was just from his experience in the industry and the opportunity to maybe pick up a little bit of media play. And then just as we talked, hit it off and he had given us some good feedback right off the bat that we appreciated and things gelled well. And he liked what we were doing uh, a lot. Like you mentioned, thought we we're doing something a little bit different. Than others he's seen in the market. And he, he joined our board and he's been very helpful, very instrumental in all the ways you could probably imagine he has been over the past year, giving us great yeah. advice guiding us down the right direction, for, particularly from the accounting perspective, which is really nice.
2: Yeah.
0: Now, when you go to the Intuit App Store and you search for the word Shopify, you're presented with at least what 30 or 40 different applications that claim. Right. I'll take your sales data from Shopify and I'll put it in your QuickBooks. Right. And Rachel, you probably could attest to that there is a variety of different ways to get that information in there into QuickBooks, but all with an accountant or uh, accounting professional, the devil's in the details. And 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 so tell us a little bit about what what makes we integrate Shopify integration a little bit different.
1: Sure. Happy to. So for starters, we're trying to look at what problems we're trying to solve for and realizing that some of these problems may have been solved before and some of them may have been solved before in a, let's just say a different way than we think maybe they should be solved. And it doesn't necessarily make one right or wrong, right? There's always going to be schools of thought, right? This is the way to go or or this is the way to go. And that's great. That's why there's uh, multiple companies that do what we do. But one of the things that we found that was paramount was speed, right? Efficiency of data. And that when you think of from the merchant's perspective for a moment, maybe not necessarily from the accounting perspective, but it may, right? And so we talked to different accounts, some don't care and some do, right? It depends on what elements are part of the business they're operating. But when we think about data exchange between disparate systems, speed is important. Speed is very important. Speed can make the difference of a quality decision being made properly or not being made properly. Particularly when you think of things like inventory, where if if there's like a one hour delay on inventory getting updated, that could have a major impact on customers going to maybe another site that you're selling from that hasn't properly been updated in time, and someone buys an item that turns out that you're actually out of stock on, and now you have to deal with a customer service issue, right? Or having quality uh, data available when you're trying to make cash flow assessments, right? Is it timely? Did I get my information today? Or do I have to wait three to five days to understand the value of something, right? We found that quality of data is important. We also found, and I, I know some of you are going to react when I say this. We found that in many cases, having details on documents can be more advantageous than having summary information of sales and so we've taken uh, a, a stance for right now anyway and it seems to be holding true to at least to the audience of people that say yes i do want details some of you're out there saying that right now and all, some of you're saying of <laughs> no
0: no
1: <laughs> right we have an answer for that in fact i had a great demo with somebody the other day that is a big fan of one of our competitors that focuses a lot on both journal entries and stuff from the payouts and so we started the conversation that way. And then by the time we were finished, she was very intrigued and very interested and very excited about what we're doing the approach that we're taking, and I'm happy to talk more about that as we go through the, the call here. But we do find that there's value in data, right? And here's why. Data gives us the ability to make better decisions, right? Sometimes when we have more data, we can make better decisions. From an even from an accounting perspective, bulk data sounds great right until something goes wrong right and i'm sure everybody out here has never had anything go wrong before and hasn't had a waste of time trying to track down what the problems were or figure that stuff out uh but that's some feedback that we've received we found that there's also uh, when you think about terms of how bulk data might save you time up front of putting data into the system it does add the value, or the you, know, you have to start working with clearing accounts and managing clearing accounts, we hear, can be burdensome at times, especially when you're carrying over from one I, month to the next month. I'm sure, Rachel, you, you totally disagree with uh, is that, right?
3: Yeah, that's all I do. But
0: <laughs>
1: Three
3: things yeah. that you don't do, summarize, bulk, um, and three things you do.
1: Not yet, not at this time. We so are
3: individual sales receipt.
1: Correct. It's individual sales. Uh, but we what we do with that, though, our uh, ratio, is we came out with, we give people options on how they want to bring the data in. We listen carefully to what the complaints about details were, and we try to do our best to give people options so that we can address those complaints. Uh, so one of those is the assumption is if I get individual sales and in, then I'm going to have a million customers clogging up my QuickBooks account. So we give people the option to do that if they prefer, right? If they want to clog up their system with a million customers, they can, or they can map all that to a single bulk customer as well. Same thing with items. They can track item details if they want, or they can load it all to a bulk item. What's nice though, is even when we do that on the actual sales receipts and refund receipts, we keep what we refer to as breadcrumbs because the data that is displayed on those sales receipts is minuscule. Being able to show you on the sales receipt who the customer was, what the address was, if you need it, which actually we used to our advantage, by the way, in in helping do sales taxes, which I'll talk about in a second. Uh, You know, we're still able to map all that to a bulk customer. But in the event that you do have to go track some things down that didn't go right, uh, you can go to the sales receipt and see all the details right there on the sales receipt if you need it. And the
2: other thing to note is every feature that we put in, we, we didn't do this in a vacuum. Um, we worked with a lot of accountants, a lot of pro advisors. We listened more than we, we spoke. We took a lot of great notes. Uh, we showed them our prototypes and, and different iterations and the bulk of the folks that we spoke to that's ultimately what the consensus turned out to be is what they ultimately wanted because they were struggling with, um, lack of those details when something went wrong and usually as they tend to happen. And yeah. so if you're using
0: if you're using QuickBooks for helping with the as the basis of your business ecosystem, which is really what, what QuickBooks' mission is, right, to be the ecosystem of small business, and you then defer all of your inventory management activities to Shopify, now you you're unable to make some of the key critical business decisions in QuickBooks because you've now put that in another in another application or another, another land. Now, there may be a, there may be a good cause for that, or there may be a good use case for that, but that's what I'm seeing in this, in this landscape with, okay, uh, this push to QuickBooks online and it does do things okay for the things that, that you do things in. And uh, Rachel, as we had discussed, right, if you're managing your inventory in QuickBooks, Right there's only a certain number of of use cases for that, and in this case, it's the reseller, as you would call it. it says, yeah, I buy stuff and I sell stuff in order right. to track that infer information in, inside of your QuickBooks, and so that that does leave out okay people who need to manu you know track their manufacturing or multiple inventory uh, management workflows. But you know, as time goes on, you'll be able to. Um, you know, bridge that gap. No pun intended. Right, Mark? Yeah. exactly.
3: For for this kind of thing, for people that do manage their inventory in QuickBooks, something like this is great because I'm thinking of what if I make all my clients give me access in Shopify, but in the event that maybe we don't have all the access that we need in Shopify. And Mm -hmm. when there's mistakes, oftentimes I have to go to Shopify and go to the order and go to the source and Search and find various things in Shopify, and in this situation, if it's bringing, maybe even if it does have a generic Shopify customer, if I've got the order number and I want to look and see some of the specific detail on the order, and I do have it there in QuickBooks, then I have a T, and then we can skip that. Okay, then I have to log in with my user into Shopify, and so on and so forth. Because I feel like part of half my day is giving access for people to get into this, that, and the other. So <laughs> if it's in QuickBooks, then people like my team can have the detail that they need to complete month-end or reconcile or do whatever they need to do that is a little bit easier. For, for some reason, I don't have the access yet or whatever reason.
2: Yeah, that's a lot of what we used to hear and, and still hear a lot from the folks that we speak to. And and, and to be quite frank, from a software development standpoint, it's a lot harder to grab all those details and to synchronize all those details and the level of details that we do. And so that's one of the reasons also that we wanted to to tackle that first, because giving you a subset of that and just giving you very little information is a lot easier to do for us once we've got the more vast majority of that taken care of. Exactly. Like your, exactly. your your third and fourth, fourth bullet points about
0: importing the Shopify sales tax into QBO and managing physical and economic nexus in QBO. Yeah, I'm very brain...
3: curious to see what they think
0: about that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, we, we are very excited this, to show you. <laughs> this, this is what this is what applications end up doing is they end up app imputating the the feature functionality inside of QuickBooks by the way that they integrate into QuickBooks if you're paying your sales tax and you find a way to be actual, actually use sales tax in QBO, which there's a lot of arguments for pros and cons of doing that and how it's actually handled. And especially when you have multiple economic nexuses in multiple different states, how is that going to be, that that's just a a headache waiting to happen for the salt of the earth, the sales and local tax folks, but if you are using QuickBooks for some of the, for some of these functions, and it's sending over journal entries. You're, that's now, it's a feature that you can't use now because of the way that is now bringing in that data. So now you have to figure out another workaround for something that's a, a should be a core function, you know, inside of QuickBooks.
1: Right. Exactly. And, and one I, of just, the I just of... realized,
0: Mark, that my logo yeah. was over top of your head, so I apologize. Yeah, sure, that's sure. All right. I need to get a haircut. I'm gonna. re. <laughs> I'm gonna shift this around. So now we're now at the bottom. So now the the closed captions are over us all. So we're all he
1: equally distributed. <laughs> right. So now. Yeah, that's a great point you bring up, Dan. And that's one of the things that. So as the basis behind, like the details, we try to understand that time is money. And one of the issues that bookkeepers have with details is it can consume more time. So every feature that we're rolling out, we're thinking about that. In fact, it's not out yet. Um, and we'll keep it between us and this, this audience, right? <laughs> it's soon to be out. In addition to what we find when it comes to things like payouts, right? Our, our competitors, they do a nice job of taking those payouts and using those payouts to create the sales, right? days later after the sale occurred and so what we looked at we were like hey we're getting the sales in immediately like literally immediately within seconds of the transaction occurring on shopify and we have all the data um and so now we can give the bookkeepers a perspective of you know what here's my actual sales that i got this month well when the payouts come in couldn't we also take those payouts and bring those payouts in and you know the number one complaint we heard about the detail was having to go in and create deposits. And you know there's a thousand sales receipts, check off a thousand sales, right? To to right. Cre- recreate that deposit manually. So we said we could do that for you, right? And we could take those payouts and bring them in. We have the sales, we know which sales are on the payouts, and just create the deposit for you automatically, uh, so you don't yeah. have to. And, do that's, that. and that's
0: what we were, and that's what we were discovering uh, when we were talking about the other sales bridges. A couple of weeks ago, in that um, a lot of times, a lot of bridges are, are are great about bringing in that detail and that sales information into your QuickBooks, but that nebulous payout it is not is not connected, and that's why you end up having to use these clearing accounts, and then it's more of a manual reconciliation process for someone like Rachel to go through and make sure that everything that was deposited is deposited. And refunds and fees and all those things are balanced out, but you take a different approach to that as opposed to everyone else out there. I think that's a key distinguisher, I think, of, of what e, e, we integrate do, does. We integrate does, even though it's a plural pronoun, uh, it's a singular verb.
3: There was a toasting, a payout to be expected deposit entry. Is that what it's doing?
1: Uh, why don't if, we just go, go right to, into a demo, Mark? Can, <laughs> maybe yeah. Show well, that, yeah. So, so I could, we could talk that through that. Yeah. I could absolutely show that. And we can definitely go into a demo. You want, you want me to start that now? Yeah. Yeah. Go yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Just let me have to flip to a different screen. So when it, when it comes to the payout though, we are still working on it. It's not ready for prime time yet. I can show you though how it's going to work. But if you want, do you want me to show you the orders first? Or yeah. You want me to start with that payout yeah. question? Let's, let's start from the beginning and,
0: and then yeah. I work, work through and then okay build up to that Pa-stu resistance okay. of the paper. All right.
1: Love it. All right. Sounds great. All right. So this is We Integrate. It's web-based. And when you first set up uh, a client and when a client is getting in for the first time, there's a very simple multi-step wizard you just walk through. It's like one type of question per page. You guide you through If When well, you've done one and you go to the next one, and you're familiar with it. It's very simple. It takes less than 10 minutes to set up. The key is making sure that QuickBooks has the elements set up inside of QuickBooks that you need in order to connect things the right way. We have help guides. We have a whole online portal, by the way, a community you can tap into, and there's other pro advisors out there, and we, we created a special room that you guys can share ideas and collaborate on it if you want. But we have all the help guides you need, and of course, support to help get through stuff. not going to take a whole lot of time at all, because I don't think anyone's here to understand. takes to spend time on settings, but just to show you that we have a series of settings, we do settings at two levels. We do it at a high level, and then we do it at a store level. So things that might be common across sales, such as when we create a sale, where is it going to go, right? So you want to, in our case, you might not have to use clearing accounts anymore. You go into the undeposited funds because those payouts are going to come in and create this. Uh, there's a couple other things I just want to clean out. These, when you see a Manila, Manila drop down in our system, it's usually an indicator that the data that's part of that drop down is custom to the QuickBooks company you've created. So this is just a custom list of accounts that relate to deposits and banks and stuff that I would link to. Whereas if you see like a gray background, these are static options you can choose from that'll impact the experience inside of QuickBooks. For example, you get to decide when we create those sales receipts, who should create the sales receipt number? Do you want QuickBooks to use their sequencer or do you want to use the Shopify order number as a sales sheet number? Oh, Different. That's
3: cool. <laughs> like we that? have problems <laughs> with that.
1: Okay, cool. I like to hear that. And I'll tell you, Rachel, too, we also have it where even if you choose the QuickBooks online number, we make a natural connection. It'll be like, you'll see when I do the demo here in a second, that even from QuickBooks, you'll know that this sales receipt number is the Shopify order number without having to look for it.
3: That's cool, because I have people that are also creating um, sales receipts out of QuickBooks themselves. So they get confused on what order number, I mean, what number to use next, because we've also got sales receipts coming in from connectors. And so it throws them off. They don't know what to do. And I don't have a way of changing that.
1: Right. Exactly. Exactly. That
0: that brings up an interesting point. I just want to put a pin in uh, your, your demo there. So if you're using sales receipts, Rachel, then it's going to pick up the next sequence. From the Shopify order. Is that what ultimately yeah, happens? That? Yeah, and that's you've what got it
3: does. Yeah. Potentially
0: so, so, you've got duplicated numbers, which QuickBooks doesn't like.
3: Yeah. And so they, although they're creating invoices, not sales receipt, not sales receipts, though, but it won't default to the next available number from the last one that they mm-hmm. did, because it's accumulating all the Shopify order numbers. And it's and then in some other cases if it's a different payment processor it's like throwing a different number on there and sometimes it can get really convoluted anyway the, i like yeah. the fact that there's this designation it's, it's nice
1: yeah yeah great thank you
2: and then, thing to point out that the settings that mark is showing here these are the same ones that you would have set in that initial wizard and so after you've set it in the wizard if you want to come and tweak them they're basically available to you at any time
0: yeah you're not carving anything in stone no,
1: exactly. Exactly. You um, guys
3: said that you didn't want to go over settings, but settings is like ten. the one thing where everything gets messed up. So I always need to pay attention to uh, settings because that it's just that always that's always where the most important stuff is. Yeah.
1: Right. Okay. Hey, we're, we're happy to spend. a demo <laughs> doing settings uh, on, on that topic. So I, I I switched over to our refund settings, which, as you can tell, is very similar to the sale settings, right at the high level. Mm-hmm. Of the options that it gives you, the one difference here is at the bottom so we've learned a little bit the hard way as we were going through the process that shopify and quickbooks don't always see eye to eye on how to solve a problem uh, and they always play nice in the sandbox together right so refunds is one of those examples right because shopify will let you create a refund for an item or based on an item i should say as well as just opening up an order and issuing a $20 refund with no item associated with it because let's say the shipment arrived late or something or the customer wasn't happy and QuickBooks doesn't like the latter. In fact, it will reject it a hundred percent of the time when that happens. And speaking with Intuit, they said the best practice they recommend following is that you create a service item dedicated for handling those types of refunds that don't have items. And then what, so what we do is when we refer to it as a no item refund, comes in the door you can map it to the item now in my example i'm calling this item no item refund for store one the point here is it this came from my custom quickbooks list so you're free to you name it whatever you want to name it and then you just pick it off the list and you map it here right but it gives you a place to store all those refunds inside of quickbooks that don't well, have that items. Mean
0: that all, have items does that mean that all refunds will go to that or
1: all refunds no. that don't have inventory associated with it Item specified there. inventory is the issue. It's the item itself. If the refund has an item. So if, let's say there was three items ordered, customers returning one of them. And I and a refund is getting issued against that one item or a partial refund is getting issued for some reason against that one item. then that will go in right QuickBooks with no problem against the item that it's for. This is only for the situations where there is zero items on the refund at all. And this gives you a place to put those refunds. Yeah. Yeah. For example, what we found, some of
2: our merchants tend to refund certain dollar amount when the order is delayed in fulfillment. And so they're refunding it on the Shopify side, but there's no item associated to it. Yeah. So that's what that's for. Leave
0: it up to customers to be very creative in, in handling those things and then leaving it up to the accounting professional to sort it out, Rachel.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm going to fast forward to get into some other settings since uh, everybody's excited about the settings, so just but I'll do, I'll do it. I'll try to do it very quick. One of these so I went into our connections area here, which is where you manage the actual connections, right? So in a, we integrate account, there's one QuickBooks company and you can disconnect it and reconnect it or put a different company attached to it, but you could have. Unlimited Shopify stores. So even though we're only doing Shopify right now, there's no limit to the number of Shopify stores that you can have. And knowing that one store is not always the same as another store, whether it be same items, but one's B2C and one's B2B, or someone selling housewares in one store and fashion in another, how they might want to treat the data from each store might be different, right? So we give you store level control over that. And I'm going to go into this one store, Sydney Star Boutique, to show you the settings we have. We have three tabs here at the top. We have customer matching, item matching, and then sales and deposits. So under customer matching, the way I have the store currently set is, in fact, to go to a bulk customer that I called bulk Shopify store one. Again, free to call it whatever you want to call it. But I could manage those customer details if I choose. So you could come in here and you can then say, how do I want to match it, right? So you get a primary match as the default, which this would be Shopify and this would be QuickBooks, right? So I could match, let's say any option here, email, company name, first name, last name, or any combination of things you see here to some field in QuickBooks, whether it be the customer name, email, or the phone number. Most people probably would say something like email to email, but I like to do email to customer name if you want. And then you have an optional secondary match that you can click on. So let's say email the customer didn't work. So now let's try phone to phone. We found stuff like that works really well with some of the companies that have been around for a while, like their older family businesses and their primary use of Shopify as a POS in that old family business. And they have customers since whatever. And a lot of those customers don't have email addresses. So they might try to do an email to email first for the newer customers and then default to phone. Uh, it also works well for B2B, the B2B use case here. So if you want to have one store that does B2C and B2B, we have a cool way of being able to address that. But that's optional. And then you tell us, or, or we integrate, we we'll be, can be set to say, okay, so let's say I, I'm trying to find a match and I can't find a match. That customer doesn't exist in my QuickBooks yet. What do you want? What should I do? We have two choices. You could then just throw it back into a bulk customer, like a customer clearing account, if you will, that you can go and deal with on your own. Or we can go ahead and create a customer for you, where we'll pull the Shopify data in, add a couple of additional fields that are not, you know, privy to Shopify, and then go ahead and create that new customer. So that's the option there. But I'm going to keep this as bulk. Uh, Another item matching, we have same thing. I'm going to load today into bulk items, so you can see how that works. We let you map to a gift card liability when the gift cards are sold. But I could do details like we said. So here, (laughs) we can match... The most, as we know, like Shopify requires a name or title and QuickBooks requires a name. So those are always the guaranteed ones that will have values, but that may not work for some people, right? So we do offer the ability to map SKU plus variant, as well as UPCs from Shopify into your choice of SKU or product name into QuickBooks, depending how the QuickBooks company is set up. And just like with customers, what should we do if we can't find a match? We can go ahead and create that new item for you or let you load it into a bulk item clearing account that you'll deal with separately. So we'll give you those two choices. Um, and then under sales and deposits, uh, we have two areas, two things, or two main categories right now. Uh, the first is uh, because we're pulling those taxes in from Shopify and the way QuickBooks works in the sense that um, it will let us override the taxes for the main part of the system where the items are but it won't let anybody overwrite the taxes when taxes has to be assigned to shipping. So again, in speaking with Intuit, what they recommend is create a shipping line item uh, that goes to whatever shipping income account you have. And then we map all the shipping to that line item. Because we're asking people to do that as a preferred method, we're, bring, we're adding a, a couple pieces of value to that in, for data that you weren't able to see before. Number one. It can, because it's a line item, you can announce shipping on a sales receipt. In addition to that, the Shopify shipping type, let's say a service level, let's say it's economy versus rush. As an example, we pull that into the description of shipping line items. So you can now see that in QuickBooks as well. Then under deposits, and this is part of our soon to be released. So don't tell anybody about this part. Um, Cut the the feed. Feed. Um, so when we're going to create the deposit, which bank account should we map this deposit into for the store? Right. You create your checking account. Where, what account are we going to map the Shopify fees to? And again, you have the option to add class. And then what should we do? All the stuff that doesn't have a match, if you will, whatever comes in that payout. That might be like quote unquote miscellaneous category stuff, or we can't find the sale to match it against. Put it all into this sales account, quote unquote, clearing account, and then you can deal with it later. But we'll give you the details on that, and I'll, I'll walk through an example there. So before I get into some data, document processing, were there any other questions you guys want to ask about the settings? Yeah. <laughs> okay, all right, let's, let's do it. Chomping at the bit.
3: <laughs> okay, let's. Say I'm not managing my inventory in QuickBooks at all. Where I don't see settings for COGS.
1: The cost of goods we pull in from QuickBooks.
3: Uh, yeah, what? but do you, oh, you have mean, like, yeah. the option to map the COGS to different classes and that kind of thing based on SKU or any of that? Because I know that this is beneficial for matching the item in QuickBooks, but in the situation that I still want to bring in sales receipts into QuickBooks this way, but I'm not managing inventory in QuickBooks.
1: Yeah, we don't have that set at the moment. That'd be a great enhancement for us to bring to market. Okay. Yeah. Because
3: I have some people with that situation that okay. you know we still want sales receipts, but because we still can do undeposited funds is fine. But I but we're not managing inventory in QuickBooks because they're manufacturers or something.
0: like, that. like, okay. like I can, and also see this with like Shopify point of sale, for example. If you're if you're managing the inventory there and not in not in your QuickBooks you really just want the financial impact to come over which could come over as a a, a, at the end of the day or as a group one big transaction as opposed to each individual sale causing a COGS to
3: yeah I would say that this situation is ideal for or to utilize all of these settings and functions would be for somebody that's managing their inventory. inventory. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. But
2: even if you're not managing the inventory, that's ultimately where the bulk customer, sorry, the the bulk item comes in. Where you don't really care about the inventory side of it, but you're still able to create that sales receipt and still capture all those
1: details. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So how about I'll go and process a couple documents so you can see how the data flows between Shopify and uh, QuickBooks. All right. All right. So I'm going to go to this uh, Shopify store we have here. I'll have to excuse my web design. It's uh, on my store design. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to just add a couple of products. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to put in... because Oh, yeah. Before I send this over, actually, you know what? I want to show you a couple of things real quick. So I'm going to backtrack. Let me... let looks like... So, oh good. Need more time. Perfect. Okay. okay, but it logs you out in the middle of a demo. Okay, so I want to show a couple of things. So I'm gonna go over to taxes since we've been talking about taxes. And I'm gonna come under we'll call attention to a couple areas here. <laughs> so the first one is where's my New York? Uh, there it is. Okay. Uh, so we have New York tax, right? Um showing up here. Uh, on here and then we have under economic nexus we have illinois right and you can see we've already been tracking some economic nexus here because okay, of the way that we
3: because cool. <laughs> <laughs> i never touched the sales tax center but now i'm seeing that i could use this even for people that aren't managing their inventory in quickbooks to bring them in this way so that way we can use this and it's more visibility for my client to see where they're, you know, the nexus tracker. And then even as the payment gets applied, it can get applied to its own thing instead of just one bulk.
1: Right. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So here, here I'm going to, what I'm going to do, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and process an order from, this order from Shopify. And the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to do it for, for New York and I'll, I'll do an order for New York and I'll process the same exact order. Let's say for Chicago. Or, you know, so I can show you that where we just where, So let's just go ahead and check this out. Let me come up with a fake name here. We'll call it Terry Tester at test.com. Click. And then we'll assume there's a 10 Main Street in Chicago. We're from Chicago. Yeah. Excuse me on that. Illinois, and I'll pick those up to random. Okay, I'll go with the one Shopify recommends. And you'll notice, you know what? Actually, I'm going to take a step back here too. Let me show you something. In the back end of the Shopify store that I'm processing that order for, if I come into settings here, I'm going to call out, right? So we have our business address here, which is in New Jersey, right? It's just a test address here. And under its location, we have three additional addresses. We have the New York warehouse, the Kansas warehouse, and a South Carolina warehouse. So Shopify, because of this, knows that there's four physical locations that exist throughout the United States, and Shopify knows how to take that and manage the physical versus economic nexus, right? So if I put an order in for New York, Shopify will know that they should charge tax. If I put an order in that shipping to Illinois, Shopify also knows not to charge tax, right? And you'll see that as they go ahead and do this. QuickBooks, on the other hand, does not know that inherently, right? Because QuickBooks is focused on pretty much one address. And that's not designed to be a multi-address system out of the box. But we trick it. And I'll show you how we trick it. Uh, you have um, your ways. We have our ways. I'm gonna come in here and I'm gonna first process this order for Illinois. And you can see there's no tax over here. And the total of the order comes to $75.99 with the $15 economy shipping. And I'm gonna put a a credit card number in here <laughs> for those. I'm sitting here
3: wondering how are they gonna trick it? Maybe just turn
1: it on. I think
0: Rachel's sitting on the edge of her seat. I think it's actually just moved to the edge.
1: Okay, so I put the first order through. Now I'm gonna go through, I'm gonna do the same exact thing, same exact order. Yes, all right, same shirt.
3: Because I think you can just go into the sales tax center and just say I have an obligation in this state now. Turn it on, right?
1: But then you can, and that's primarily how that part works. The issue, though, is that when QuickBooks figures out which tax agency to me, uh, assign a tax to, it it does it based on the information that's presented on the sales receipt.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then it creates a separate GL account for that one and then you can't ever undo that. Okay, right. I didn't know exactly. Tell me now. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: it's, it's demand. We're, we're, we're almost there. We're almost there. Uh-huh. So we're gonna say Terry has a, a sister Tara. Tara? Tara does <laughs> So it counts to line. You know how many times I've had to come up with these big names? Terra Tester and Terra Tester lives in let's say twenty five hundred Broadway here in New York City. And Para, being a New Yorker, has to have things shipped faster. We're going to pay thirty six dollars and ninety cents for shipping. Now you'll notice Shopify made the association, right? New York physical address shipping to New York. So now we need to charge New York tax at eight seventy for a total of one oh six fifty nine. So, I'll come in here and use the same fake credit card number I used before. And um, we'll go ahead and process that. Order? Yeah. All um, right. Order's through. Now, let's come back to We Integrate. You'll see we have a red bubble one here at the top. So, that first order that I processed has already gone through. I'm going to show you that here in a second. So, keep your eye on that one. Just <laughs> like another a couple seconds. around it now it's become a two, right? That's, that's how fast we integrate. And this is a demo right. system. It's not even-
3: wow. That's pretty cool.
1: Thanks.
0: Thanks. And there wasn't anything that you had to do to push it over there. You-
1: Exactly. Like, that's a very like, good as point. As, gets, as soon as it gets in there, it's there. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I'm showing you through the system today, but most of our clients come in here periodically when they need to, but yeah, whether you come in our system or not, it's truly set it and forget it. Once the connection is made, it just automates whether you do something or not. And so just, these are the two orders that came through, right? 1334 and 1333. You'll notice, if you remember the amounts I showed you on Shopify, they're to the penny here. We give you some additional options where you can hover over the person's name get the address, the bill to ship to email. Eventually we're going to have details here, but I'm trying to focus on the things that people are most interested in right now. And this, will, this is like a later thing because people get all the data inside of you, in between Shopify and QuickBooks. Then you'll see here, we give you a couple statuses, right, so this is something we think we do. It's cool, we show you a workflow. So we show you that both of these have been paid, paid in full in this case, versus partially paid and partially refund in this case. And then we give you a shipping status, right? So neither of these have been shipped where this one has been partially shipped. When something shipped complete, we move it to the fulfilled sales folder. And then same thing here for cancellations, refunds. And you see our new payouts folder over here with the private feature logo there. Now, when I come over here to these two columns, this is the date we received it. And we integrate, which is usually instantly for the most parts. And then this is the last time we did a sync up with QuickBooks. And you'll see this one, first one went in and if I hover over this, even from here, Make sure you can see that there's uh, the order number for thirteen thirty three all the way on the left. That's the Shopify order number. When I go into QuickBooks, I'll see it on their sales receipt twenty eight sixty six because I'm doing the different numbers. But obviously, if someone's doing using the order number from Shopify as a sales receipt number in QuickBooks, it, w- it would have the same value.
3: Does it s- then, will it still show a reference for one three 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 or no?
1: Yes, it will. So if I go over to QuickBooks. <laughs> So yep. oh, actually, I get excited
3: we're by the, the strangest stuff.
1: And by the way, just for the record, when we came up with that capability, is the one that said, one day we're going to demo this in front of Rachel and just, he's been asked that. that question. So we better be ready. <laughs> but here you can see here they are, right? here's the reference. So you can see sales sheet number 2867. Uh, 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 oh my God. So and we also show you which store it came from in the event that you have multiple stores that you're processing.
3: Yeah, because some of these people are going to have hundreds in a day. This is what, why I'm saying this.
1: Yeah, exactly. And just wrapping this part up to show you the, that other question I've been making you wait to answer about how do we trick QuickBooks. And, and Mark, this um, is where I go, and wait, there's more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you can see here a couple things and there is actually there's more and then there's more on the more. But here we have the bulk customer that we're loading this into, right? And we're showing you the what we call the breadcrumbs, right, on the sales receipt. So mm-hmm. if you have to track this information down, it's here. And now you'll notice that here the ship to state says Illinois. And the ship from defaulted to, which you might not have known this, but the default address here inside of QuickBooks is this New Jersey address. Mm-hmm. Okay. And there's no tax. when I come down here, by the way, just showing you the bulk item approach here as well, we load it all into this bulk item in QuickBooks. So it's not taking up that space there, but we give you the breadcrumbs of the items here as well and how much the rates were from Shopify, et cetera. Here you can see the shipping fee, that it's economy shipping. There's no tax assigned and it ties out to the exact penny of $75.99. And this will get tracked by QuickBooks's economic nexus tracker as i showed you earlier because quickbooks now says i have a sales receipt that has a different ship from and the ship to so uh aha so i need to track illinois as a nexus if i come into the new york order i processed
3: well, because it knows that you currently don't have nexus there but it's only right. correct track.
1: exactly and then what will happen is eventually it'll catch up when it hits the threshold and it knows okay. to move that over to the taxi. yep exactly. i like
3: having oh. that in quickbooks i'm i used to be like i didn't want anything in quickbooks but now like just from practice. i'm hearing some weird noise i don't know from what i feel like now after like practical experience and dealing with some clients and seeing what they want to see and seeing how they understand the concept of Nexus a little bit better when that's in QuickBooks, you know what I And now I like that in there.
1: Cool, awesome. And by the way, it's not saying you can't, you know, even though QuickBooks has it there, if someone wants to use another add-on solution, right? Nothing's stopping that from happening, right? But at least, like you said, at least QuickBooks is in there and it's being tracked correctly. Uh,
3: and then also, guess what? If they're sending out invoices from QuickBooks as well, even if they're sending out wholesale invoices, right. doesn't that all need to be factored into nexus tracking? So this exactly. is consolidating all of the nexus tracking.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. 100% correct. Yeah. And, the,
0: and then this allows you to use something like Davo connected to your QuickBooks to be able to impound those sales, t- sales tax fees so that the business owner doesn't spend that on behalf of the state. And then get a nasty letter.
3: Yeah. <laughs> and like the alternative is you have to dump your sales data if it's in an external thing and it's not tracking the nexus. And then you have a client that's invoicing from QuickBooks Online still. I, you have to consolidate it all together to see if they're not. Because I'm, I'm dealing with this right now. One client is in a non-connected inventory S that I can't connect to Alvalera. So I have Mm. to manually crunch the numbers and track the nexus and add in the QuickBooks invoices. It's aggravating. I hate it.
1: We could talk after the show. Um, (laughs)
3: uh,
1: (laughs) I'll be with that. What what point I want to make, because I know we're running out of time here, too, on that topic to call your attention. So you can see, I opened up that second sale that I created for the self seat C-2867 here in QuickBooks. And you'll notice the ship to here now it says New York, right? Because that's where mm-hmm. the customer shipped to. It was just a tester. And what we did was we changed the ship from using the Shopify address for New York. So we checked that there was a match. So we managed our logic on the Shopify side before we pulled the sale and made QuickBooks use that New York address as the ship from. So now QuickBooks says I have a New York address going to a New York facility and knows how to deal with that properly.
3: Oh, wait a second. Now you lost me. Wait, so you, <laughs> you did that in the settings.
1: No, this in is not a setting. This is, this is just live matching part of our logic, our algorithm logic that we use when we're pulling the sales for Shopify. This is secret sauce stuff. Secret sauce. It, yeah, yeah exactly. It. It, it, it. The magic behind <laughs> is we integrate. There is Worcestershire so, sauce in the. If the, the, the ship two. two.
3: So, okay, so you're saying if the ship two is New York. Then we're going to change the ship from, to New York. So correct. those two correspond. Almost
1: correct. Only if they have a safe location.
3: If, yeah. Only if it, yeah. Okay. 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 Right. yeah. By we, the way, we do well, a yeah.
1: similar thing with POS as well, right? So if you have any clients that have multiple POS locations through one Shopify connection, and those POS locations are in different tax agency zones, we find that. So we can replace the location of sale based on that store's physical, which helps track the sales tax in QuickBooks correctly as well.
2: And we're doing that based on analyzing as Shopify orders are coming in and we are writing them out to QuickBooks. That is a part of what we're doing internally to do that.
3: Man, that's cool. I haven't seen this before where you can actually bring the individual sales receipt in with the state ship to and then track that. I'm telling you, I go through craziness sometimes. And this, this is real cool.
0: This, this is why I told Rachel, don't do any research <laughs> on on We Integrate before. Because I want this blind, honest reaction from, from Rachel when she, uh, when yeah, she actually it's does really get to cool. see
3: it. By so, the way, I also, also love the name. Because when you go into the, uh, not Shopify, I guess, yeah, Shopify App Store, but even the QuickBooks App Store. I like the name is just, we integrate. It just tells you what it does. Right, yep.
0: it's, it's like changing your Thai restaurant
1: to Thai food near me. Yeah. <laughs> or I saw, actually I saw a restaurant in New York. that says, you eat here.
0: You only get the, the restaurant that says, I don't care. That's <laughs> that's the restaurant that every married couple ends up going to. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care. You decide. <laughs> Oops. So, uh, yeah, so then another dis distinction and but is, is what happens with those sales receipts with regards to payouts. So, so let's talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, sure. Absolutely. And this is part of what's still in, in, in process. And by the way, I just wanted a quick comment. I won't take the time during the demo to show you, but you see how the three fields here on the sales receipt for ship via ship date and tracking number, when that actually does happen in shopify and orders fulfilled we uh receive that information also fairly instantly from shopify and we load that all up here for people so if you ever need to track that information right. here you see it here again and again, then you're not, you know, you're not eliminating the the
0: functions that they could feasibly using in quickbooks because right. they're using some other application uh to to bridge the data between them so that, that, that that's Correct. what i like about what right. The way that you handle these things is that you still use the native functions inside of QuickBooks when possible.
3: Yeah, that's pretty cool. Exactly. So it updates that shipping information after the fact. It brings it in from Shopify.
1: Correct. And we also add down here, so let's say there's multiple Shopify creates the link where you can track the shipment. But we add those links here as well under the shipping free line item.
3: Do they have to be using Shopify shipping or it does it work if they're using ShipStation?
1: I think it works if the ship station as well, but I'll, I'll come back to you to confirm that. Pretty sure.
3: Oh, there's a question, Dan.
1: Oh,
0: I'm on full screen, so I wasn't oh. even looking. Uh, so is the Shopify, tra- oh, it's from Doug Sleater of all. <laughs> if the Shopify transaction ID also repeated in the reference number in QuickBooks. It appears to be the same number. Oh, it? that's, yeah. Sorry, good. This would be good because I want to create a report that lists sales by reference number to compare with Shopify reports. Uh, yes. That it, is, yes. Yeah.
1: yeah, it's a setting. Sure. Short, yeah. short answers, yes. Um, okay, cool. Uh, so yeah, it's in ahead. the
3: memo, right? Isn't it in the memo?
1: It's also uh, in the memo. And yeah, it,
2: it's part of the settings on what you actually want to be displayed in the memo fields. As well as what you want
1: to be set displayed in the reference number okay cool yeah. and then okay so coming over to payouts payouts uh, payout. yeah payout. let's talk payouts <laughs> right so this is just again still in process so you guys are getting a chance to see behind the curtain in fact if there's if anybody wants to we always take good feedback uh from people as we're building that's what we try to do from our our product uh, management perspective But you'll see here, we have the Shopify payout number coming through, the date of the payout, the gross amount, the fees, and the net amount. And this is the amount that should match the bank. Currency, of course, how many sales are associated with that payout. And now we're showing you the status of the payout, right? So when the payout gets scheduled at Shopify, we're going to bring it in here until we integrate. We're not going to push it to QuickBooks yet, but we're going to bring it in here. Why? So we can give you visibility. Now, we understand Shopify does give some visibility on that already. We're A, we're trying to build out some value here. And number two, that's if you have multiple stores, now you have to go check that in multiple places. Where here, you can come to one place and see it all. Yeah, and um, you but,
3: also may not have access to Shopify payout.
1: Good point. True, true. So we're going to show you schedule so you can see that from a cash flow management perspective, you can get a little visibility into what to expect. Then we show you that it's in transit. Right, so we'll change the status on it and then it goes to paid. Once it goes to paid, we're going to use that data and auto create the deposit ticket inside of QuickBooks Online for you. And when we do that, because we have all the orders associated here and we know, even if you use a different sales receipt number versus the order number from Shopify, we know how to match it. We're going to check off all those sales receipts for you. So that, that fear of having to check a thousand sales receipts to match up a deposit. Don't worry about it. We're going to make that go away because we're going to do that pretty automatically. And then what we're going to do is we're going to take the fees and put at the bottom of the deposit, we're going to put all the fees down there and assign it to the account you specified in your settings, as well as any additional items that came in on the payout that would go at the bottom to inclusive of any kind of offsets that might occur in the natural course of the process to ensure that payout matches the bank and now we're going to give you visibility where I don't think, and you guys can know better than us, but we don't believe anybody does this where, because usually with a provider like us, you either get the sales or you get the payouts. We're bringing you both and we have the details. So we'll be able to call your attention, any sales that have not yet been paid, right? Easily enough, if that happens, right? Because we're not from the payout. Rachel, what are you going to do with, your fr- with
0: all your spare time
3: i hate to burst your bubble but the other providers also bring in the payout because i I do that all the time but what i but i will say is i like the fact that it is matching up with the payout because now i don't ever have to worry about undeposited funds because what i'm saying is if it's going to match the payout and i'm not using a clearing account and i'm and i am just using undeposited funds and let's say i have Maybe five or six different checking accounts because I have a different checking account for each Shopify store. And then, but everything is funneling into undeposited funds, but it's pulling it and matching it. And I don't have to worry about undeposited funds. I definitely like that. I'm very reluctant to do that. But if it's, if this is foolproof, then, um, then that's good.
0: Yeah. That was my feedback to them when I saw this because using undeposited funds, it has a plus sign in that. Undeposited funds has a list, right? So everything that's waiting to be deposited will just show up there as a yeah. as to a, As opposed to a clearing account where did it get deposited? Is it, is it, it, what, it, how do I actually match that up? So being able to tie the transactions into a deposit, then you'll be able to see what was actually part of that deposit, right? But the challenge is that once you've now set foot in undeposited funds then there's things that you can't do like undo transactions that have been deposited so that was my step yeah it can get a little risky <laughs>
3: yeah. sometimes especially when your client is also invoicing out of books and you've got their crap and undeposited funds too but i want to ask you guys one thing before we have to wrap it up i didn't hear you guys mention paypal my favorite <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, we, we on PayPal is something that we're still working on.
3: Okay. Yeah. Cause I know I'm not even being sarcastic. I actually love yeah. PayPal.
1: Yeah.
2: It's, it's on our radar. Uh, but we wanted to stop, start with the first one as we incubate yeah. it and, uh, make sure that uh, it does what uh, folks are expecting to do first.
0: And I do, and I do appreciate the fact that you guys are digging deep into the, you know, into the Shopify vertical, right? And then, You're picking up your learnings along the way and being able to say this works great or this doesn't work great. So that when you go into other sales channels, as you have your roadmap for, okay, let's tackle Amazon, let's tackle uh, eBay, let's tackle WooCommerce or the other online sales channels, whatever that might be, you'll be able to lather, rinse, repeat for using the shampoo analogy. Yeah. And and they'll all have their own. They'll all have their own nuances to them, but you'll have this good framework to be able to take to other marketplaces and, and sales channels moving forward.
3: Yeah, okay. I have to say, the most impressive thing for me was the utilization of the sales tax center because I feel like the when I first started getting into a lot of different integr- integrations and becoming an integration know-how person, or I guess if you want to say specialist, I feel like a lot of the the theme of it was just keep everything out of QuickBooks like just dump all the data in QuickBooks but I appreciate doing more things in QuickBooks with even if you're not managing your inventory in QuickBooks I appreciate utilizing these things in QuickBooks I want to use more things in QuickBooks I really do and I really like that and I also like the fact that just Dan, these, all these bridges, you say bridge, I say connector, are just so (laughs) wildly different. Really confusing to a lot of people, but really spending the time and understanding how every single one of these works. This is really different than a lot of the other ones. And so I really appreciate what you guys have done.
0: Thank you. And our our half hour workshop went uh, about 40 minutes over.
3: Yeah, I know. I was like, when are they going to get into PayPal?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Um, Is it all plumbing? (laughs) So talk a little bit about your promotion that you're offering. Yeah, yeah. So we're excited to to share with with your audience here that if you go ahead and scan that QR code and you go ahead and register for a free trial by December 22nd, we're going to take 20% off your first three months. And it comes with a 15-day free trial. Uh, no obligation, no credit card necessary. You just sign up. Like, obviously, the caveat is you need a QuickBooks, a company to test with, and a Shopify store to test with. But yeah, you can go give it a shot. And we're happy to spend some time and answer questions. And, you know, look forward to working with y'all.
3: Cool. All can right. I put this on this special? Can I repost it on my website, on my blog?
1: Absolutely. We would love that. Thank, thank you, Rachel. Cool. That would be great.
3: I have so Uber. many followers.
1: Yeah, we'll connect with you offline on that for sure. <laughs> <Can't be laughs> i I don't really... <laughs> Five. Yeah. All right. I love. Uh, <laughs> good, more good, than comment me. From, good
0: comment from Doug. He calls it digital plumbing. Is, is, there you go? Is, is the way that he does yeah. all these connectors. Uh, so appreciate you, Mark, and and joining us here today on our extended version of <laughs> workshop Wednesday. What happened no, the Mark? There he turned blue. Oh, here I am. Yeah. Sorry. Yep, <laughs> <I'm here. laughs> yeah.
1: I'm
0: getting the highest. This goes line on here whether you're on a workshop field. or not. Yep. <laughs> All right. Again, thanks. Right. Thanks everybody Thank for you. joining us. And next time on the workshop is we're going to be talking about, we're going to be shifting gears a little bit and talking about light speed, speed point of sale. And for those people that are, that are still in the QuickBooks point of sale and want to migrate to another option, we what we're going to do is have a side by side comparison over the next four workshops, whereas mm-hmm. this is what you do in QuickBooks point of sale, and this is how you do it in light speed. So we'll have a. Uh, a thunderdome of point of sales on the workshop. So hopefully you can join us if you have some retail clients or if you are a retail client yourself and you want to know how am I going to do things from QuickBooks point of sale into Lightspeed. So we appreciate you joining us. So uh, hopefully you all have a great day and we'll see you next time on the Workshop Wednesday.